record. Welcome to The Jarek Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Crone. Timely topics, poorly presented. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children and genders of all ages. Welcome to The Jarek Show. I, as always, am your main host, Javad Malik. Despite what Eric says, he's not my co-host. He's just merely my uh, my mascot, who is uh, unfortunately joining me again this week. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. And on that note, I got to point out real quick, Javad, that your new TikTok, um, you know, page, whatever the hell you call that, a profile or whatever, my daughter actually reached out to you and said, hey, I know you. I think my dad's your personal assistant, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Who's believing this stuff? I can't believe this. Oh, and, well. and I've been sending him her advice about how not to be like her dad and be more like her mother or any other relative in the family, <laughs> even the, the, the uncle second removed who's in jail, be more like him, but don't be like your dad. That's, that's the advice I gave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, breaking my heart, man. Breaking my heart. Anyway, um, that's what that's what we're there for, isn't it? Kid, kids are never impressed with their own parents. <laughs> they're, never. They're, they're always a disappointment. Anyway, um, we have a guest today. We do. Why don't you introduce her? Okay. Yeah, this guest. This is somebody that I was working with on a, on a slightly different project, and uh, super excited to have her on here. Um, her name's Kylie. We're dealing with. Uh, compliance in a lot of ways here and her story about how she got in to cybersecurity is fantastic. I mean, if you saw the one that we had with Alif and her background, um, this is a very similar thing, came out of something that was absolutely nothing to do with cybersecurity and ended up going down this route. And I think it was absolutely fascinating. And, and in speaking to her on this other project, I just realized how much insight I think she would have towards this kind of stuff and and just, you know, people wanting to get in the industry or maybe change what they're doing a little bit. You know, you got pen testers that are like, all this fame and glory is just terrible. I want to move into compliance or something like that, right? Um, so, uh, you know, without further ado, let's introduce her to the show. Let's bring on Kylie. Hello and welcome. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're we're actually super glad to have you here. Um, again, we we chatted a little bit about this um, before, and and you know, like I said, your your background is really cool, and I look forward to the to the point where we get to that. Now, before we do that, though, we're gonna have to go through our little kind of like weekly recap of stories. So, Javad, why don't you throw the first story for us? So the first story is uh, relevant if you are the French. Uh, because ah, oui, oui. Here's my white flag. I'm retreating. Um, apologies to all three of our French listeners. <laughs> so, so, side story here. I hate doing this, but uh, one of my coworkers was French uh, in the army when I was uh, when I was there in the army as a contractor. And once he printed out the French flag, put it on a pencil, and he's like, "Look, I have printed the French flag, and the backside is already white." <laughs> <laughs> Great guy. His name's Laurent. Uh, he was super fun to work with. And, uh, you know, me being a German, uh, he used to love to throw that in there with my background as well. Um, but this was an interesting story, you know, and, and we're starting to see more and more of these um, that are potentially related to uh, vendor security. So in this one here, basically this firewall source code was taken. And this firewall source code was stuff. These Some of these firewalls were um, approved by the French military. Uh, so both people in the French military actually approved this thing. 
And uh, now we have the firewall source code out there. Now they did get into, I believe the customer service um, portal as well, using some of this stuff and watch some of the conversations and stuff that went around in there. And, you know, I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh, that couldn't be much. But then you start thinking about the, the detailed information that you're giving customer service about your organization and the problem that you're having. Like, oh, wow, you know, my... Uh, um, my intrusion detection system drops every two and a half minutes for 15 minutes. And you're like, oh, okay, there's a hole for me to play, you know, uh, to, to jack into here. It's, it's one of these things where you do give a lot of information to these folks. So it could potentially be a problem. So another story about that. What do you think, Shabbat? That's right. And when I first saw this story, I, I immediately thought of uh, SolarWinds. And it's not at the same level by any means, but it's, the impact could be similar. You, you, you're targeting a, a supplier that is approved by a government, and you're compromising that. And you know who, who knows what you could do with 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 all that sort sort of thing. Um, so so this and this is not something new. If if you remember NotPetya, that was spread through the Ukrainian tax um, software. So that was a government mandated software that everyone had to use this one foot for their tax returns, returns and they infected that and that's how it the genie got out of that bottle. So um, I think software vendors, like even security vendors are, are all prime targets, especially the ones that are in government industry uh, or approved by government and, and they, they're in government places. We, we had this big hoo-ha a few years I lost track of time now. We, with the lockdown, I don't know whether things happened last month or three years ago, but uh, there, there was uh, Kaspersky was uh, because of its uh, alleged ties to the Russian government. They were removed from all US um, government and uh, contractor sort of installations. Um, so, so on one hand, it's like you, you manage the threats that you know about, but then this is another threat vector that is definitely one that um, I think every government should keep an eye on. Yeah, and vendor management is always a challenge, right? And so, Kylie, you're in in, in the uh, compliance side of things. What do you think about stuff like this when it comes to vendor uh, management? Well, I mean, research of vendors is so important. Uh, but even when you do that, a lot of times um, vendors can float by on just their their large name, you know, and their presence already in the industry. So it it's very difficult to know everything right and a lot of times too these vulnerabilities show up after you've been with that vendor for quite some time you know and i mean i always say patching and phishing like those are the two things <laughs> that just you know insider threat like just the the little the the tiny it's just get in there you know because you can protect all you can and you're going to have these little compromises sometimes you know so vendor vendor procurement is really important. Um, knowing the knowing your vendor, knowing who, uh, you know, having a having a good rep, like having somebody that is always there to assist you if anything um, goes on, and having timely um, knowledge of these issues is really you know the bottom line. Like how can you how can we mitigate this as soon as possible, or how how can we patch this? You know, like what can we do? Um, where yeah. the necessary, you know, we already in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, oh, go, go ahead. Okay. So, so what, what I was thinking about here is, you know, 
you made a good point about you know these places and and getting you know some of these these certifications or marks and them running with their reputation. So you say, oh, this is a big company. Oh, and look, their marketing department with Javad and I always twitch when we talk about marketing, but their marketing department has stuck up this logo that says they were approved by whatever government entity. Now it was seventeen and a half years ago. Uh, but they did get government approval. I mean, you know, you know, you can't always trust what marketing puts out there. Um, but you're right; a lot of places can get by simply on the reputation, and maybe you don't research them as thoroughly as you should because, well, they seem like they're a good company, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the it reminds me of the watchmen, like who watches the watches, like so, who secures the security companies, and who's watching their logs. I think that that that's a key thing. Um, and, and to your point, Eric, you, you make a really good one is that so many of these vendors are so happy to have like, here's, here are all the logos of some of our customers. Uh, and it makes a great, great re reconnaissance tool that if I want to go after, you know, this government, then which, <laughs> which vendors have that government as their, as one of their logos, as their customer. So it's, it's something that, you know, we, we need to be wary of and, and uh, how much information we give out there. Hey. Wonderful OSINT right there. Yeah, open source intelligence. Yeah. All right, let's look at the next one, Javad. What's our next story today? So the next one is is a really interesting story and I always wondered uh, why, you know, um, you, you act in a certain way. And I always thought there's something in the water and um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they just caught it in, 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 in your backyard, Eric, you, your water supplier apparently, uh, someone got in and they started fiddling around with all the knobs like remotely mm -hmm. and they dumped a whole bunch of lye into the 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 water well they 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 basically set the settings to do that and yeah this was kind of in my own backyard it is not my drinking water supplier um but it could be and, and here's the thing and you know we're absolutely not busted on this place this is a this is a problem with ICS in general is that um, the security on ICS, we all know is kind of, um, in many cases, bolted on. Like a lot of this software that runs ICS stuff was not designed to be remotely accessed. Uh, it's been in place for a long time. You know, it's kind of like in some of those medical things where you have the MRI machine that gives awesome images and it only runs again on like Windows 95, right? It's like the old stuff that still does what it's supposed to be doing. So why would you spend all this millions of dollars to replace it and, you know, only for a little thing like that? And this is one of those cases, I think, where, you know, we see in ICS the, the dangers of putting these things online. So, you, you know, you set up something that it looks like in this case, it may have been a, a remote desktop protocol type thing or something along that line because an operator saw a mouse moving around and making changes and they spotted it and they shut it down. And yes, there's other controls in place there too, but this needs to be eye-opening for um, the country and countries in general about how our infrastructure um, can be put at risk because we're doing this. And I know these organizations are typically strapped for funds. They don't have huge budgets to be able to do this kind of stuff. You know, they're kind of um, just, you know, it's like any other city, state or local municipality. In a lot of cases, they're just kind of doing their best to do what they can. And then something like this happens. But it is eye opening as to how significant these things could be if, let's say, that attacker was able to get in and now bypass those other controls that are meant to catch this. Yeah, indeed. I, I'm reminded of Jeff Goldblum's um, famous line from Jurassic Park, 
where he says that you scientists were so obsessed with whether you could, you didn't stop to think whether you should. Uh, and this, I think it happens a lot with uh, these archaic systems being connected online and being remotely accessible. A lot of these are like, hey, if we make it remotely accessible, we can troubleshoot from home without having to drive five miles into the into the plant or, or whatever the reasons may be. But I, I think the full risks aren't taken into consideration until something like this happens. And, you know, it, it's one of those things, it's, it's one of those risks that we've spoken about in the, uh, I say we, in the within the industry, many have been speaking about this for many years. And you, I mean, you have things like Shodan out there and people are always saying, hey, look at this, all these things are unprotected. But it's always felt like a movie plot kind of risk where it's sensationalized, or it's really high, or you think, well, well, no one's really going to hack into a water supply and do this, that, the other, uh, until it actually happens. So um, I think it's, uh, it's definitely... Uh, scary and it should be a, a wake-up call although i'm pessimistic as to how much change it will bring about yeah. i think until someone actually you know until a mass population get like severe like you know water poisoning or something and they're all throwing up and they flood er or something i don't think many people will take this kind of thing seriously yeah kylie what do you think yeah i was just thinking about everything that's been happening this last year because I feel like now threat actors are really going out on a limb to do some really crazy stuff that I've never heard of before. Like the, just the bizarre, you know, or they take advantage of like um, situations like this where, I mean, even with COVID, you know, and all of the threat actors that were coming in and like taking advantage of, you know, vaccination trials and things like that. And then fishing a ton of, you know, companies. And I mean, I haven't seen the end of that, you know, um, but it's, it, yeah, it is very much about, <clears throat> like you were talking about the antiquated in infrastructure of companies. And, you know, sometimes it's just um, a light ignorance. You know, many of the, the leaders of these organizations, they might not have any cybersecurity knowledge and they don't know that maybe, hey, we, we need to bring in like a third party system to check this out before we make this jump. Um, somebody always signs off paperwork, you know, thinking that they're doing the best they can, you know, or maybe, like you said, budget's just not in it. So, you know, how can we, how can we still, or maybe they just don't know, hey, yeah, use it for that. That'll work, you know. Uh, and I, I found that often where it's just the, the regular leadership or the way that that the system was built to begin with has never really had many tweaks to it. And so, you know, or they don't have a good cybersecurity like system in place. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's what consultants are for, right? <laughs> well, I think it's funny because even, even in places that you would think would be cybersecurity, um, you know, aware, uh, a lot of times this thing kind of slips through the cracks. So quick story that I have from my, again, my DOD days, right? So uh, at one point in time, I was over the emerging technologies. Uh, I was in that team working on things that these engineers would design for the army. And then they would put to us who was an O&M organization and, and we would test it. And then we would uh, maintain it basically once the engineers put it in place. And one of the, the um, programs that they were doing was this huge data center consolidation where they were taking all the little data centers from all these post camps and stations, moving them to one place. And what they tried to throw over the fence at us was a uh, power distribution system 
for this entire data center. In other words, you could go down to each um, outlet on the rack and shut off machines. You could shut the whole machine, you know, the whole place off basically through this power distribution center. And the power distribution software didn't support any HTTPS. It was only allowed to have one admin username and password that had to be shared among multiple people. And the engineers are going, well, what's the problem with this? I don't get it. You know, you just give these people that are going to do it the same password. And I'm like, no, no, we can't. Ended up getting that one where, where we would not take responsibility for that thing. Um, and this was in a DOD organization. And it was a name brand player that had the software and the control systems for this PDU that could basically shut down a portion of the Army's um, back end had we had we moved forward with it. It was pretty, pretty crazy. I'm glad that whole project ended up being scrapped and revised in a different way honestly wow um, that, yeah. that is that is amazing although kylie and 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 all of our listeners viewers um th there is a game i've been told that that you take a shot anytime eric talks about the dot or his military past uh, someone tried it for one episode and they had severe liver poisoning so compared with you my friend <laughs> Hey, that's where I saw just the craziest stuff happen. That's why so many stories come from there, because you just wouldn't believe the things that you see happen in the government unless you've been in the government. So it, it it's some pretty wild stuff. I can talk about other places, too, but they're nowhere near as much fun. Well, yeah. you know, and, and I, if I could add, it's funny because now with the the new requirements from CMMC and the DOD, we've really seen a lot of ways that there can be there you know you think that your architecture is strong and then these extra requirements are really illuminating you know where where we need to work harder so in layman's terms <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well and you know the 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 whole compliance portion on that side of things is is interesting too. You know, you got NIST, which has come out with some password requirements that basically um, counter everything else. So let's say you you need to be compliant with NIST for a certain vendor, right? Uh, like one of the places that wasn't DoD uh, that I worked, we had to be uh, NIST eight hundred um, fifty three compliant. I think it was it was for a state, um, but we also had to have PCI compliance, and so the password requirements on those were kind of counter to each other, where one required one thing and the other one said, oh, you're better if you only have this. And, and you know, you run into those sorts of things where you start having these conflicting uh, requirements across those things, which doesn't really help anyone. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's a lot of work. That's for sure. Yep. So our next story here, um, Javad and I have done some talks on this very topic of deep fakes. And I wanted to point out, um, you know, this guy passed this off as trying to, you know, having a mistake with the filter. But personally, I think this is a deep fake. He was trying to get into and ruin this uh, um, this uh, trial or whatever it is that they're doing here. Um, I thought this was fantastic. If you haven't seen it already, the poor guy in the bottom right hand corner, he is an attorney. And um, for whatever reason, he fired up a Zoom meeting and he had this cat uh, as a filter on here. And it's pretty funny because it moves its eyes. It does all this kind of stuff. It has these little random motions. If you haven't seen this video, it is hilarious to watch. And the other two people on here, they they don't lose their minds. They don't freak out. They're actually trying to help him, like, turn it off, you know. But at one point in time, he says, uh, basically, you know, Your Honor, uh, I am here live. I am not a cat. <laughs> you know, it's just the funniest thing I've ever seen. Um, but 
it actually it made me think a little bit, not really about the deep fake stuff as much, but about the fact that people working from home during this pandemic and during this whole COVID-19 thing, sometimes they end up sharing devices with things that they're going to be doing work on later. And so this is just a, you know, this is a fun little peek into what could go wrong. What if your kids though are downloading other stuff and installing things that, that has something that's really kind of nasty and, and bad on there, right? This is a real problem that people need to consider, especially now that we're working from home. And I think I said it all because nobody has anything to add to that. Uh well, I was going to say that I, uh, I have had some experience with work from home policy writing. So <laughs> that was fun. Uh, and I think I, I, I forget if I mentioned that the other day when we were talking, but my daughter is eight and you know even just you can't have security breaches especially if you're working on something high level um and security breaches could mean any of the people in your house that are not you uh so and and i mean face it these days with everyone working from home it is it's become such a huge priority um i've seen like a huge revamp in cloud uh, you know, technology, things that we're, and all of a sudden everybody's like, we got to get in the cloud, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we got to do this and what do we need to do? And it's just a constant thing. So um, work from home has been interesting to say the least, because even if somebody's not implanting something funny on your computer, or if there's, you know, if there's something else that's going on, you have a child running back to say, I'm hungry. I need to go to school. Can you help me with my homework? You know, it's constant. So, um, you know, it's like always oh, shutting down my computer, turning, you know, turning off Alexa when I'm in any kind of meeting. Like these are just small little tools that you can use, but it, it is, there's, it's so integrated now and it needs to be. Um, but this particular one was hilarious. This video was so funny. And I finally watched it with you this morning and I was cracking up because it's, it takes a lot. It, 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 there's so much levity now <laughs> with working from home. It's like we all used to be kind of robots that went into the office and now there's this hilarity behind it and you can put funny backgrounds and, and things like that. But yeah, it can be, it can be compromising for sure. You know, we, we just still have to make sure that we're maintaining some kind of security um, while also understanding that, it's been a rough year and you know, it's just this balance, but yeah, there's definitely, there's always room for, or compromise in those situations for sure. Yeah, definitely. Actually, I, I was looking for the story. I just found out a couple of years ago, it happened to a, a Pakistani politician yeah. that they are on their stream. <laughs> they also have the, and this is, I think this is even worse because it's not, it's, it's actually his face and then he's got the, the ears and the whiskers on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were live streaming this and uh, they, they forgot to take off this cat thing. Now, the only thing that was kind of um, saving from here is this this is one shot from the stream. But actually, the other people there, too, also ended up having them put out on them on occasion as, as mm -hmm. it went to them, you know. Um, but yeah, this was this was like one of the Pakistani ministers during a, a live stream. And can you imagine? I mean, you know, you step back and, and you kind of go, wow, I, I can't believe this is happening now. Back then, it was even a different world. So I think one of the things that's happened now, there you go, there's someone else with it on too. Um, but as, we, um, as we've as we gone through this, um, this COVID thing, I think what's happened is a lot of people 
are actually more able to forgive stuff like this now because we've learned that it's not so easy to do. Like, I think it was last week, Javad, um, your wife or daughter, someone brought you in a cup of tea while we were recording. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. we just let, you know, we just let it go, you know, and kind of coming in on the corner, kind of low key, you know, sliding over some tea um, and you just kind of let it go. You know, it is what it is. And I think people are a lot more forgiving having now had to sit here and deal with this at home and realize how much is out of your control, frankly. That's right. It's it's like do you remember how how much that guy blew up when his kids walked in when he yeah. was doing the BBC interview like a couple of years ago, uh, and yep. then his wife jumped in and she was panicking and she dragged them out and and what have you? And uh, it, it's not too long ago, like uh, just a few months back, I saw is it, someone else was being interviewed on on a, on a show and and like her daughter came in. Um, but but she was like totally cool with it. The presenter was like, "Oh, your daughter's here," and he said hello to her as well. And he was on live TV. So you're right; people have become more more, more accepting. But yeah. You know, go ahead, Kylie. I was I was just going to say that I think there's a line too where you know a lot of times you have to deduce like what what will compromise. You know, is your five year old going to come in and look at what you're doing on the computer screen and like be able to interpret it and go, hmm, yes. I'm going to take that, you know, like, you know, it doesn't, it it doesn't quite work that way every time, Um, you know, maybe, you know, and it depends on what you're working on, right? Like if we're on a a podcast, it's a little bit more forgiving, right? Um, Than intense government documents or something like that. Yeah. So you just have to be able, and and that's also where like the, the people aspect comes in. You have to have that intuition, um, or my boss calls it the spidey sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because you, you, I feel like, I, I don't know if you guys agree with me, it's like you start having that come up. The spidey sense happens and it, it becomes more in tuned as you continue to work in this industry. Yeah. Because yeah. you really do have to rely on, okay, wait a second, and then take a step back and not rely completely on feeling, but have you know deductive reasoning skills so what's going to happen is um that's going to continue to grow in you until the until you become completely paranoid of everything and then you become a curmudgeon and then (laughs) and then and then and then right it all goes downhill from there now you know I actually had something happen to me during a live presentation a few years ago pretty big one in uh, I think it was in Austin Texas so um one of the things we we have some Apple devices here and we have the family thing on. So the kids have to get approval to purchase things. Right. So I'm up on stage in this big thing. And, and one of the things we said was before you put in the request for approval, you need to email us and let us know. So I'm up on stage and I had not turned off the Wi-Fi on my laptop. It was my own fault. But I'm, I'm presenting to all of these people. There are probably a couple hundred people in there. And up in the corner of the screen pops up. Sarah would like to buy Hamilton. Right. And I was just like, great. And so this is up there. Now, what you don't know is there is no way to shut that down from a PowerPoint. So when the PowerPoint is up, that pops up in front of it. You cannot put your mouse over it. You can't do that without like stopping the PowerPoint and restarting. Right. And so I just kind of rolled with it. I was like, well, folks, (laughs) you know, obviously my daughter wants to buy the Hamilton soundtrack and uh, we already own that, which we did. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was up there through the whole presentation, but I had to make levity. I had to, to joke about it. And I think people who have presented realize that stuff like that happens all the time. And now I know to turn off my, you know, 
to, to turn off my uh, Wi-Fi when I go up. And, and likewise, I set an alarm on my phone once for a, a panel I was on at RSA. And um, as the panel started, my phone started going off in the backpack over on the corner. And I mean, it's loud and they don't shut off. It just, it's going to ring through the whole thing. So I had to like bolt over, dig out my phone, shut it off. You know, we all go through these sorts of things um, and it is embarrassing, but I think we've, we've learned to just kind of now relax and, and roll with it. Well, yeah, you're right. Actually, it also makes for fun, for fun, but potentially an attack vector uh, if you put your mind to it now. So, uh, and, and you talk about the Apple um, ecosystem where everything's connected. And this is years ago. Uh, I've got two friends, Tom and Andy. We, we have another podcast called the Host Unknown Podcast. Check it out, folks. Uh, host Unknown, hostunknown.tv. Uh, Cross-pollination here. That's my... <laughs> anyway... So um, we're, we were having a, uh, a WhatsApp conversation many years ago. And uh, what we, and Tom is far more, he's a better person than Andy and I. Let's put it that way. So, so we like to offend him by sometimes sending him stuff that's uh, mildly inappropriate. Um, and because sometimes he let it slip like, oh, I'm going into a meeting now or something, we take the opportunity to flood his uh, his phone with with inappropriate messages and photos and memes and all that kind of stuff, and it so happened that um, he went off to a to do a presentation or a meeting, and so we we said okay let's start and we start messaging and we we think that it'd be funny his phone will be buzzing he won't be able to turn it off and it will fill up his phone then he has to go through all the things, uh, but his phone automatically downloaded the the photos to the camera roll. Uh, and through iPhotos, it was synchronized with his iCloud, and his Apple TV was connected to his own Tone TV, which used his camera roll as the screensaver for the TV. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you can imagine he's at home. His TV is now filling up with more and more memes and inappropriate images where his wife and kids are. Uh, so this was luckily for him. He was working from home that day, and... Uh, as, as he recalls, he almost broke his shin jumping over the coffee table. He didn't know what to do. He just grabbed the Apple TV and yanked all the cables out in one swift motion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You know, it's it's funny how you could um, cause some problems. I and mean, you could have broken up his marriage earlier there. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Well, anyway, I think we've had on, enough. On that note, um, <laughs> you are listening or watching to the Jerick Show, timely topics poorly presented. Subscribe to the podcast at thejerickshow.podpean.com. Find us on YouTube. Find us on Twitter, um, on all the regular things, timely topics poorly presented. And that was the news section. But what we're really moving on to is, is uh, what I'm really excited about. We have the wonderful... Kylie Lockwood with us today, and um, she works in compliance and is proud of it. So, <laughs> in your face, pen testers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, Kylie's background is really, really cool. So, Kylie, where did you start off? Like, you weren't in the, anything near cybersecurity before, right? No, uh, I was always one of those kids, though, that liked to do, you know, I, I played the violin growing up. I was always a straight A student. So it was one of those forays into entertainment, which was odd because I'm sure that my mom and my dad really wanted me to be a doctor or something. 
They're like, she did so well. Like, what? Where did we go wrong? No. So I I started in entertainment. I went to school for it. You don't have to do that, FYI. <laughs> Art <laughs> kind of a lot of money, perhaps a waste of time. I'm not going to say that completely because I have a lot of famous friends that went to art school. So go to art school, you know, get your creativity under you for sure. I think I'm actually really grateful for those experiences because it taught me how to be creative and to think critically also. And I really wanted to do something in film. Well, there's no film now, but we still call it that for some weird reason. But (laughs) so I wanted to do something in entertainment and I went and I asked a friend of mine who had a a boyfriend at the time who was a camera operator in LA. And I'm very, I just, when I need something or I want to know about something, I ask. And that's a huge bonus as well. Like, don't ever be afraid to ask somebody, even if you feel like it's a stupid question, because like the famous person once said, there are no stupid questions, only stupid answers or something like that. And So I did that and I said, hey, you know, can I work with you? Is there any way that I could work with you on set? And he said, I'll get you a gig. And so I started as an assistant and I started learning everything. And then they put me on camera here and there. And then uh, I started, I I was already trained as an editor uh, in post and in audio as well. Um, That was part of my degree program that I went to school for at the art school. So I did gain a lot of technical knowledge that has actually benefited me greatly in my life um, thus far with all of my career. And I decided that I would do audio because I just loved it. I took one Pro Tools class and I was hooked. I knew people that owned a recording studio in San Diego. And I just said, can I be your you know, intern girl? I will do whatever it takes. I just want to get my hands on Pro Tools and you know, they uh, they had this, there's a great studio in San Diego called Studio West and they're amazing. And I, I just was given the opportunity to learn more about it. And then it kind of sent me back to LA where I would do, I would work on set doing boom operation and I would, I would, um, you know, assist a bunch of people um, in, in getting audio to camera and, in that industry, it's very high stress because audio is really important. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if you don't get correct audio, then you can't even cut anything into a finished product. So all you have is video. So it's a very, it, it taught me a lot about dedication and commitment and, uh, and it was just a, a lot of fun. So I did that for a while and then um, I got pregnant with my daughter and decided to go back to school. And when I did that, everything changed because I thought, well, I'm kind of a math brain. I'm very much a scientist. And so I thought I want to do more like physics of sound, psychoacoustics, um, anatomy of sound. And it led me to a career um, in hearing health. And so I got my undergrad degree at um, San Diego State University and that was in speech, language, and hearing. And that just taught me even more. And, and it just, every single experience I've had along the way has taught me more and more about what I'm interested in, what really I'm passionate about. And then I continued through that 
went into hearing health. And while I was working as a practitioner, I was approached on LinkedIn by someone at the University of San Diego who was offering me, you know, have you ever thought about doing cybersecurity? And I said, uh, like a spy, because I'm not with that. You know? <laughs> so finally, like, finally, though, a, a uh, recruiter on LinkedIn has turned into something valuable. This yeah. is an amazing story, folks. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't believe that's how it happened, too. You know, it was completely random. I'm like, why? <laughs> why are you talking to me? But they they said, you know, we saw your your previous resume. And that's another thing. If you... If you don't have a LinkedIn yet and you want career experience and you want opportunities, build a LinkedIn because it was it's always been really important um, in me gaining future knowledge of like what I'm going to do. And my resume is basically on there for people to say, oh, OK, she does have experience doing this. And and that was really helpful, very beneficial for my career. And so they saw what I used to do. They said, you have technical experience. You have a little bit of coding experience. I said, very small, very little. <laughs> Started with MySpace and changing my background filter. You know, <laughs> <laughs> MySpace. Wow. You know, uh, for those of you out there who don't recall, MySpace is the place where when you go to your little page there, um, it would kick off music and there'd be shiny crap all over the place. That's what I remember from MySpace. It was a lot better than GeoCities, though. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, and it did get trampled by Facebook. And fortunately, though, we don't have all the sparkly stuff on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. I think you make a really, really good point about building your LinkedIn profile or having I, I think it's it's about having any presence online where you can showcase. I mean, like creators do it all the time. They have a portfolio like a photographer. You wouldn't expect a photographer to not have a portfolio page. Yeah, right. we, we expect people to kind of like sometimes know who we are because maybe we've spoken at a conference or two through our career or or, or what have you. So, so uh, I mean, one thing I do a lot of is uh, on my blog, I, I have a list of all the articles I've ever written that I can that are publicly accessible. I, I have a link to them there, just so that if anyone ever asks, it's it's just there in one place, so people can figure out whether they they like you or not. But um, but I think you're you're absolutely right with with LinkedIn or with with all these things. These tools are there, and people I think squander them a lot of the time in uh, by frivolous uh, sort of postings. Yeah, and I think if if there's a goal that you have, if you decide, like in your case, they reached out to you, but if there's a goal you have, you decide you want to get into a specific industry, tailor your past experience to show where that's going to fit in with what's going on where you want to be. You know, um, so you look back at that and you go, OK, so these skills work with this. Um, and, and sometimes it's hard to imagine how they come together. And, and here is another story from when I was in the DOD. So take a drink. Um, <laughs> but I ran physical security right. for a while and we had these receptionists up front. There you go. Uh, <laughs> we had a reception group up front and I was hiring a new receptionist. And this receptionist, um, it was a person that I knew. And she really wanted to get into cybersecurity and what we did. So um, her her job, though, at the time was a massage therapist. OK, and she was a very attractive young lady, massage therapist. And when I was talking to, to my leadership and I was like, hey, I want to hire this person. We, we did interviews. She interviewed great. I said, want to hire all these people. They said, well, 
she was a massage therapist. What security background does she have? And I said, well, first of all, this is at the front desk. Um, it's not like they're, you know, they're going around doing other stuff. This is a receptionist. And we had to, it was 24 by seven. We had to hold up a badge, show them our badge in order to get in and all that kind of good stuff. Right. And I said, uh, you know, th this is something where customer service really comes in. And they're like, I don't see it. And I said, look, she's a good looking massage therapist. If anyone is able to tell somebody no in a kind way, it's going to be her. And they were like, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> and mm -hmm. she turned out to be just such a great employee up there. And it was, you know, we were in situations where we would have people, we had congressmen come in and, and they didn't want to give up their cell phones. And we had to tell them, no, sir, ma'am, we, we don't allow that in our classified facility. And you had to be very diplomatic about it. And she turned out to be just one of the most diplomatic people we had. And, uh, it was just looking at those skills in different ways uh, that, that helped them understand, oh yeah, I guess that would be a, a usable skill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I completely agree. And I think that it is so important to have kind of a wide range of knowledge when you come into the industry, because especially for what I do, because I deal with people on a daily basis, and I need to be able to be persuasive yet <clears throat> benevolent, you know, and, and kind because you're not going to get anywhere, especially in that, you know, you're not going to get what you need unless you work with people and you know how to be patient and but you also know how to be firm. And it's it's definitely a skill that's come from the years that I've <laughs> I mean, I was a, the only woman on on an all man team for a long time in audio and everything. So I had to kind of learn my chops and, and it really does teach you a lot about yourself. And yeah. with LinkedIn, what's cool is that what and what another thing is my security brain just kicked in. It's like you have to make sure that if you do post where you worked, not to get too granular about what you do what department you're in, if you work in the cybersecurity sector. And that is another thing that is very important to know, I think, is just, you know, in a general way, yeah, okay, I work in policy and compliance, cool, you know, but don't explain what you do. Yeah. Somebody that you're working for, um, especially if, you know, you have privileges or anything like that. So it's, that's really important as well, is just to maintain your own uh, autonomy and, and your own anonymity in a way um, and be on your own, you know, do what you need to do, but do it gracefully, I guess. And that's that's another thing too about that critical thinking process that comes in, you know, but it, it, it has been wonderful and I'm so grateful that I joined that program. And another thing, if anybody out there is ever looking to get into cybersecurity, if you if you are looking into that, um, there's a lot of great online programs. I mean, my master's program was completely online, and it it's made for working professionals. So you can actually work at the same time as doing school, and that's huge, especially for me because I'm a mother, and I have other things going on. It's like a lot of us can't especially when we get older we can't just stop working to go to school unless we have somebody supporting us full-time which i didn't so it was it was a really great opportunity for me and i took it and i've actually forced people into the program <laughs> <laughs> 
oh, by the way, I've signed you up for this thing. Um. <laughs> like you're working as a part-time bartender right now and you're like 35 and you've got a bachelor's degree. Let's, let's know, like you're smart. Let's do this, you know? Like, and so I, I, I help to mentor people as well, because I think that sometimes the only thing that limits us is our own limiting belief system. Yeah. Yeah. We hold ourselves back quite a bit. We think, Oh, uh, well, you know, I, I don't have the skills for that. And, and, you know, I'm guilty of that myself throughout my career. There were a lot of times, and, and I look back at my career and I'm like, I don't even know how I got where I am. You know, I, I really, it's just kind of like, okay. And all these things worked out. And, and some of it is, is people you get to know, they get to know you, they get to know your personality and they're willing to take a little bit of a chance on you because they, they understand where you fit in on that. They understand how your mind works. I think cybersecurity is in many ways, uh, the more important thing is how we look at things and how we think about things, right? Being critical about what's going on um, and trying to understand um, there's, there's kind of a thought process or a, or a mind um, mindfulness that comes with being a security person. And you'll see people that are just naturally that way. It can be learned in a lot of cases, but you know, within organizations this is something we've talked about before is within organizations, if you're trying to do, say, an awareness program or you're trying to build a corporate culture of security, you find those people that are already predisposed to having that kind of a, a mindset and you invest in them because then they're going to demonstrate it to the other people around them. And then the culture can eventually just follow. You have more than just you standing up going, do this, do this. You know, uh, It's very helpful to keep an eye open for those people. And to help move them, maybe, you know, you talk to them, you say, hey, you know, I see that you're really into this. Maybe you'd like to get into this career. Um, and we complain all the time about a shortage of security professionals, yet how often do we um, advertise outside of our organizations without taking a look at the people that are already there, that are already in that mindset and already thinking that way? Right. So, so Connie, you mentioned that you, you, you mentor some people and uh, you, you help people. You, well, you bully people into doing master's degree. Uh, so there, there must be some people out there who are listening to this, watching this, that are thinking, I, I want to break into security. I don't have a security background. I don't have a mentor. Um, maybe I don't have the financial resources to commit to a master's program. Um, are, are there any kind of like tips you can give anyone that's listening that might be in that kind of position um, uh, as to like, you know, again, like, you know, there are the self-limiting beliefs, but sometimes they go online to Twitter and there's people there saying, well, security is not an entry level job or you need to be X level of ninja before you can, uh, you know, this this tool before you can ride. But um, so, so I, I suppose from that perspective, is it any words of wisdom you can share? Sure. You know, I, I think that I completely know what you're talking about, too. It, it's it's not helpful, right, to, to discourage people from anything, any industry. I think if you really want to do it and it's something that interests you, there are all kinds of certification programs available that are, you know, worth, worth it, um, not a ton of money. Um, even if you wanted to study on your own to take, you know, a security plus exam or network plus exam, or, you know, I think I've known a ton of people in the industry. I'm sure you guys have as well, where they had no bachelor's degree, no master's degree, and they just went directly into, Hey, I'm just going to read this book in a week and take a test. And they, they just went for it, you know? So I think that, that is huge as well. If you have that kind of tenacity, 
then do it. You know, um, there's always going to be somebody that's going to tell you that you can't. And most of the time it's me, most of the time it's me telling me, like Eric was saying, like that I can't, you know, because I, what am I thinking? You know, I mean, I had a lot of pushback when I was going to take this master's program, at, you know, including my own mother, you know, she goes, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you have a degree and a career. What are you doing? I said, no, there's something more. I want something more. It's got to be, I want more student loan debt. That's really. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. You know, but it's like, I wanted, I wanted the opportunity to think more critically because working in a private practice or doing what I was doing was wonderful because I could help people. But it was like, that was what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. And I wanted more opportunity as a single parent and also as the only parent to my child because when it comes down to it at the end of the day, like I really can't rely on anyone else. I have to figure out how I can invest in my future and, and it will all work out. And that's really what it is. is just having that like blind faith to continue, you know? And, and I think that's what I've done my whole career is even when the chips were down, right? Because there's been things like you'll have all life is life. You have health problems, you have family problems, you have money problems. Everybody's got stuff but you just have to know how to persevere through it. And I think that's it. I, I think courage is a huge part of my story because I mean, my daughter's father passed like right when I was going into an undergrad program and I could have stopped. I could have said, you know, nobody would have faulted me for doing that because of grief. But I thought, what's the point? I've got to continue going because if I don't, what's going to happen to me and my child and this is, this is the next thing. This is, I'm just going to move into it because this is where the energy is flowing. You know, it's physics really. It's <laughs> <laughs> that's what I always say. It's all physics, science, yeah. physics. <laughs> no, that, that's definitely true. Um, I, I, a few months ago, actually, um, I, I read David Goggins book, uh, Can't Hurt Me. And uh, in that he, he talks about a concept about callousing the mind he goes, it's uh, it's basically everything's a mental struggle. And if you can do something when you don't feel like doing it, that's where you build the strength to to carry on moving forward. Because in your mind, like you're, you're right, we can always find reasons to not do something. Everyone's got some form of issues, like some bigger than others or what have you, but you can always find time to, to pity yourself and, um, you know, Drown yourself in energy drinks and and cookies. Hey, Eric. Hey, I haven't had an energy drink since RSA 2020. And it's because of you and Tom and my wife. So I've been very good. Y'all made me quit. You pressured me into it. So that's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, why I'm such a poor performer now. <laughs> so, I blame so, you. So since I joined, I, I've been trying to get Eric more healthy. And he, he tries to go around self-sabotaging every... <laughs> And recently he got into a car crash. Uh, so, you know, he... he well, Not my fault. Allegedly. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Every time I start getting more healthy, I get taken out. At Achilles surgery twice. Uh, then I, I got back to where I could move around pretty decently and some lady drives into me because she wasn't paying attention. You know, life's going to throw things at you like that, honestly. And you just got to kind of roll with it and you got to go with it. Um, you, you just can't let it get you down. Um, and that's one of the things that I think 
keeping a positive attitude towards that stuff. Like you said, you know, in the face of even your mom going, why are you going to go do this? You know, you kind of got to keep a positive attitude. Yeah. Well, I mean, it can drag you down, you know, it really can. Um, and so you got to kind of be able to go, you know, this is what I want to do. And, um, you know, even explain to people, look, this is the direction I'm going to go. And, and I really hope you'll support me with it, but if not, I'm still going to do it. Um, and, and that's, that's a key thing. We do talk ourselves out of a lot of things. I'll be honest. Um, I wanted to be a cop and I talked myself out of being a police officer, um, to the point that, I mean, I was accepted. Um, I was ready to go to the Academy, getting out of the military and I ended up, um, backing out. And then I was, I was going to do it again years later after I was married. And that weekend I broke my foot, which makes it really hard to do the physical test when you have a broken foot. Uh, but you know, I talked myself out of these things a couple of times and I do regret that. I love where I'm at. I love the things that I'm doing. Um, but you know, that's always kind of in the back of my head about that. I kind of wish I would have at least, um, at least tried and gone forward with it. And if you don't like it, you know, no harm, no foul. You've learned something from it. You've gained experience, you know, and I try to tell this to my kids, even if you do something and it doesn't work out, there's value in that because you've learned from it. So don't take it as a failure take it from a non-success that you learned from. Definitely. Definitely. Because as long as the energy is moving forward, that's what, that's what I always say is, and some things will just compel you because they're, it's just, that sounds like a good idea. You know, you weigh the pros and cons and then you say, okay, this, yeah. this is good. And I mean, look at the career it's afforded you, you know, that broken foot was almost like a thing that happened at, like to prevent, that movement, you know, and then yeah. it's like, now here you are and you have, you have a really cool gig, you know, I still paired up with Javad and, <laughs> you, know? you know, you guys are like besties. It's awesome. <laughs> Eric begged me to join here. He said, I need a coworker that like, I did. I actually harassed him. The minute I saw something that happened in his, uh, in his previous job, which was a, another organization taking over, I kind of went, oh, there goes the uh, the whole culture in that place. So I was like, hey, you want to come over here to this side, you know? And he's like, no, no, I'm going to stick it out. I'll, I'll and then a little while later, I was like, hey, hey, I just kept bugging him. And finally, he's like, yeah, it's time. <laughs> and I think that's that's a good move because it's like you can't, and and it's all about culture. It's all about company culture. And I think it's so sad that that a lot of the issues, even the cybersecurity issues or any kind of security issues. A lot of it does stem from culture, you yeah. know, and, and failure to want to change and um, failure at training management properly. And, you know, all of that or, or keeping keeping that stagnation because of the fear of change. And and uh, yeah, that's not it's not easy to change a company culture that's built a certain way. And it's so refreshing when you get to a place and you're like, oh, I love this place. They could be paying me a buck an hour to, you know, work here and I'd be stoked. I'll stay forever. <laughs> Just to yeah. be treated well, you know, with kindness and respect for sure. And that's driven from the top too. You can't have a strong culture in whatever direction you want to go within an organization if leadership is not demonstrating that same culture. And that's something that, uh, that is unfortunate in some cases. I mean, and I've been through the, I've been through areas where, the organization's leadership changed and things went very, very bad. Yes, Javad. Um, and, and, you know, you can, you can definitely see how 
some individuals can absolutely have an impact. And if, if somebody does have a poor impact, it is kind of up to us as employees to let them know, you know, Hey, you know, this is kind of, I don't know, instead of just sitting back and watching it happen, but that's a whole nother story we could have. Unfortunately, I think we're we're running out of time here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, company culture is a very important thing, but, you know, I I did love what you said, you know, all all these things about staying positive and, and just doing these things. I love all of that. And I love the fact that you went from an audio engineer and you're using words like uh, psychoacoustics, which I still think is really cool. Um, I have no idea what that is. Right. And it's almost like when I was in the certification industry, there's um, psychometricians. Uh, They do, uh, you know, testing scores, but psychoacoustics sounded really good. So on our way out, can you explain to us what psychoacoustics is? Psychoacoustics is how your brain perceives a spatial sound. So you can actually create these, these atmospheres just by like, any kind of audio recording where they will actually put um, uh, headphones on you and they will play like you connect. They we've recorded it in a way that even though the sound is happening over here, your brain perceives that it's happening back here. It's, it's very interesting and it creates a sound scope, but psychoacoustics is just how your brain perceives sound. Um, and it can, it can be in a myriad of different ways. So it's, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cool. It's all neural, really. So yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. I think I think tied onto that, I, I maybe for another episode, we'll get you back again one time in the future, I'm sure. But you know, I think there's there's a lot to be said about how how uh, the human brain perceives risk as well, and how that that affects people and organizations and what have you. But that's probably one for another time. But it's been absolutely delightful to have you, Kylie. Um, Eric, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. He agrees. And uh, that is it, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Kylie. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Good luck with your your career. I'm sure this is not the end. I'm sure with with your attitude and everything and and where you've come from, I'm sure you're going to end up going somewhere far greater than what Eric will ever achieve. So (laughs) congratulations on your journey so far. And we wish you the best of success in the future as well. Thank you so much. All right. Have a wonderful night. Yeah. Bye.